The scripture reading this evening is taken from 1 John chapter 5, verses 10 through 13. Again, 1 John chapter 5, verses 10 through 13. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, Whoever believes in the Son of God had the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in his testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this, and this life is in his son. Whoever has not the son, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. For the next several Sunday nights, we're going to be devoting our time to answering this question. Can we know without a shadow of a doubt that we're saved? That's an important question, don't you think? It's a biblical question, but it's a really important one. Over the years as a gospel preacher, I have performed, I've conducted countless funerals. I've lost count. And almost every single time I preach a funeral, it hits me. Do I really believe the words that I'm saying? Do, do I really believe that what I'm saying about life after death and, and the things that the Bible promises, do I really believe those things are true? Because one day, if the Lord doesn't return first, every one of us is going to have a funeral of some sort. Every one of us is going to spend eternity somewhere do I really believe, do you really believe the things that the Bible says about salvation, about what happens to us when we die? These are really critical foundational questions because if I do believe these things, if you believe these things, then that's going to shape the way that we live. It's going to shape the choices that we make, the decisions that we make with our lives. All of that is based on this question. Can I know that I'm saved? Can I know and have assurance that I'm in a right relationship with my God? If you've got your Bible open to 1 John chapter 5, notice in 1 John chapter 5 verse 13, John gives us a purpose statement for his book. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, he says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. He's identifying who he's writing to. It's the people who believe in the name of the Son of God. And what's the purpose for your writing, John? Look at the last clause. That you may know that you have eternal life. This is not a question that you just want to answer in one lesson. At least it's not a question I want to answer in just one lesson. So we're going to take several lessons to answer this question. Can I know that I have eternal life? But I would say, just based on that reading alone, 1 John 5, 13 is a great place to start. Answering the question, can I know that I'm saved? When it comes to the subject of Christian assurance, assurance of our salvation, there are two extremes that people go to. One extreme says... Once saved, always saved. 
Maybe you've got some friends that believe that. Maybe you believe that. The Bible does not teach that doctrine. As a matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4, the Bible speaks about how it's possible for a Christian to fall from grace. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, Peter writes about people who have tasted and known the way of salvation and turned back from it. And he compares them to a sow that has, having washed goes back to wallowing in the mire or a dog that returns to its own vomit. He says it is a terrible way to live your life. The Bible does not teach that just because we find salvation that we're always saved. It's possible for us to turn our back away from God, even though we've obeyed the gospel. But on the other hand, there's another extreme. The Bible does not teach the doctrine, if saved, barely saved. And I have known an awful lot of people in churches of Christ over the years who have, it seems to me, adopted some form of that second idea. If we make it, it's just going to be barely. If we find our way to heaven, it's just going to be by chance, by accident almost. We really can't be sure. I think I've related to you in the past. There was once a funeral that I was called to preach. I didn't know the man whose funeral I was preaching. I didn't know his widow. It was at another congregation nearby where I was preaching. But the widow gave me very specific instructions. She was a member of the Lord's church and so was he her husband who had passed away as she said I want you to tell all of his friends who are going to be here that we can't really know whether we're saved or not and I don't want you to say that my husband went to a better place because we don't know we really can't know there's something wrong with that kind of thinking from a biblical perspective we need to kindly but firmly stand where the Bible stands. Can I know I'm saved? Can I know that I'm in a right relationship with God? Can you know that? The answer that the Bible gives is a resounding yes with an exclamation point. Do not put a question mark where God puts an exclamation point. It's not right, it's not healthy, and it's certainly not the gospel. We call the gospel good news, don't we? How is it good news to tell somebody, well, if you make it, it's just going to be barely. How is that helpful? How is that happy? How is that what Jesus shed his blood for? If saved, barely saved. So while we don't go to the extreme of saying, once saved, always saved, that's not true biblically. It's also not true biblically to say, if I'm saved, it's just barely Let's explore tonight as you look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, five principles, five ideas concerning our salvation, just from that one verse. By the way, if you're wondering about what book would I turn to to learn about assurance, what book would I turn to in the Bible? There are 66 books. Where would I go to find assurance of salvation? 1 John is a great place to start. And as I mentioned a moment ago, chapter 5, verse 13 is a purpose statement for the entire book. John is telling you why he wrote these five chapters. This is what I want you to know, he says. I want you to know that you may have eternal life, that you do have eternal life because you believe in the name of the Son of God. Let's notice, first of all, as we think about assurance tonight, look at 1 John 5, verse 13. Notice the possibility. 
Can we know for sure? The answer that John gives is yes. That you may know. You see the passage? That you may know that you have eternal life. John wants his readers to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are faithful followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. And the same thing that people could know 2,000 years ago is the same thing that you and I can know today. We can know without a shadow of a doubt that we are faithfully following the Lord. Well, but John, doesn't the Bible tell us that we ought to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith? 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, yes. Doesn't the Bible tell us that, that we are to constantly be alert for the devil because he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? 1 Peter 5 verse 8, yes. But none of that negates what John says, that you may know you have eternal life. Turn with me to a couple of other passages in the New Testament real quick. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, and I want you to look at verses 10 through 12. The Hebrews writer is talking to some people that were thinking about departing from the Lord. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, the Hebrews writer stops and he's talking to his brethren that need to mature and grow in their faith. But one of the things he says to them, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, he says, God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So he's saying, God sees how you're living your lives, brethren. He sees where your priorities are. He sees what you're working to do. And then look at what he says in verse 11. And we desire, he says, that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. He's saying, you people have invested your lives in the church. You've invested your lives in the kingdom of God. You want people to know the Lord. You want those who know the Lord to be built up and edified. And I pray, the Hebrews writer says, that you're going to be diligent in doing this more and more because there's full assurance of hope to be found in that kind of lifestyle. That's interesting to think about, isn't it? When I invest my time and my energy in things of God, there's assurance. And it's not just a little bit of assurance. It is, look at the passage, verse 11, full assurance of hope. That's a beautiful thought to consider. Another passage. By the way, look at verse 19 as well, Hebrews chapter 6. In verse 19, he says, This hope, the full assurance of hope, we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, that which enters the presence behind the veil. An anchor of the soul is our hope to us. When everything around us is changing, when everybody on the news is losing their minds and losing their heads about whatever the issue of the day is, there's an anchor for our souls. It's found in the assurance that we've been given by God. Next passage, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. The Hebrews writer says, let us draw near because of our high priest with a true heart in, watch the expression, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, he says in verse 23, for he who promised is faithful. Listen, the Bible is using language of assurance, the full assurance of hope. 
Let us hold fast to our confession because he who promised is faithful. There is assurance to be found for the child of God who lives his life for Jesus Christ. Turn back in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2 and look at verse 2. Just some passages and there are many more we could look at dealing with the subject of full assurance. Can I know I'm saved? Is it possible? Colossians 2.2, Paul says, I want your hearts to be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. He's writing to Christians, and he's saying, I want you to find the full assurance that God has provided for everyone who's faithful to him. It doesn't sound like if saved, barely saved to me. Another passage, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. You know, sometimes we just need to set our eyes and our minds on these things, and we need to allow ourselves to be influenced by what the Scriptures say rather than what we think and what we believe. Let's let God's Word influence us. Let's let God's Word form our, desi- our hearts and desires and our thoughts. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. Paul is facing his imminent death. He is going to die as a martyr. And in 2 Timothy 4, 6, he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is. He doesn't say there might be. He doesn't say I hope. He says there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all also who have loved his appearing. On what basis can Paul say, I know the Lord's going to give me a crown of righteousness? Because Paul trusted in the promises of Scripture. He trusted in the Word of God. It is possible for you to know that you're saved. Full assurance is promised to those who follow and obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. One more passage. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 24, John writes this. He says, This is, excuse me, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know, and that word know is found at least 35 times in the book of 1 John. To know something, to have assurance of something. By this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us, it is possible for Christians to know that they are in a right relationship with God. That's the possibility of assurance. Many more passages that could be brought forth on this particular issue. But let's move on. And our second point tonight, let's talk about the evidence for assurance. You're looking at 1 John, turn back over to chapter 5 and verse 13. John says, these things have been written that you may know that you have eternal life. Watch this. I have written these things, he says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. When I look for the evidence of assurance in my life, assurance, brothers and sisters and friends, is not based primarily on how I feel. It's not based primarily on how I feel. Do I feel saved? Do I feel like in my heart that I'm in a right relationship with God? Primarily, that's not where my assurance is found. In Acts 23, verse 1, the Apostle Paul, after his conversion, said this, I have lived before God 
in all good conscience until this day. And most scholars believe that what he's talking about is not just his life as a Christian, but his life before he was a Christian. Paul was as sincere as they come. Even though he was persecuting the church, he believed he was doing God's will. And Jesus talked in John 16 verse 2 about people who would kill Christians and think they were doing God's service. And you ask those people, do you feel like you're doing God's will? Well, yeah, I feel like I am. Our assurance is not based on how we feel primarily. Secondly, assurance is not based on what someone else tells us. I've been fascinated in my time as a gospel preacher by a lot of the conversations that people will have with me and sometimes they want me to tell them. They want me to assure them. They want me to... It's the Word of God that has to do that. I'm not your judge. The elders are not your judge in the sense that they're giving the final verdict on your soul. God is the one who judges the world, and it's God's Word that's going to judge us. And so, while someone may tell you, you know what, as far as I'm concerned, you're doing great. As far as I'm concerned, you're in a right relationship with God. That is not the final standard of our assurance. Somebody that we may respect, somebody that we may have a great deal of esteem for, they know a lot about the Bible, they are not the final authority. Jesus talked about how the Pharisees twisted the scriptures, and people looked at the Pharisees as authority. He said, they teach in vain. They teach the doctrines of men. What they're doing is perverting and twisting the scriptures. Matthew chapter 15, verse 9. Don't just listen to what somebody that you respect tells you when it comes to the subject of assurance. That's not the final standard. It's not based on the practice of the majority. This is kind of a temptation. People that I think are spiritual, people that I think are religious, people that I think have a good relationship with God, what are they doing? How are they living? That might be a good question to ask, but... The people around me, the people that are in the majority, they are not the final standard of what's right and what's wrong and whether I'm in a right relationship with God myself. In Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus talked about how the way is narrow that leads to life. Remember? Few there be that find it. If I'm going to look for assurance of my salvation, I don't need to look based on what the majority are doing. So where do you look? 1 John 5, 13 tells you. The evidence for my assurance is what is written. We need to spend more time in God's word, brethren. We need to open up our Bibles and open up our hearts and minds and listen intently to what God is saying. Because when we struggle with these feelings, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm in a right relationship with God. I tell you what, I know this from personal experience. That is a problem that can only be solved by what is written in the Word of God. That's where our assurance is found. That's the foundation. What has God said about me? What has God said about the life that I'm living? What has God promised to people that are living the kind of life that I'm living, for good or ill? What does he say? It's what's written that matters. What is in this book? And don't just take my word for it, and don't take some Bible class teacher's word for it. Read it for yourself. That's where you find assurance. And one of the reasons why we struggle with this, all of us, is because we're not spending enough time reading and thinking about 
what God has promised and what he said. I'm not saying that to try to guilt you. I'm saying that because if you're struggling with this question, read more of Scripture. It makes a difference. And pay attention to and accept and believe what God says. That's how we deal with this issue, this question, can I know I'm saved? John 12, 48 and 49, Jesus said, the word that I've spoken will judge you at the last day. It's his word. He's going to open up the book and he's going to judge us based on what's written in this book. Can you know how judgment's going to turn out? Absolutely. There's assurance. In Romans chapter 2, verse 16, the Bible speaks about how God is going to judge the secrets of men by the gospel on the day of judgment, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Assurance is found in what's written. That's where the evidence is. Number three, the ground of our assurance. If there is assurance, and John says there is, and if the assurance is based on what's written, John says it is, then what's the ground? What's the basis? How is God going to save me? Notice 1 John 5, 13. The ground of assurance is those who believe in the Son of God. That's important. Don't overlook that. Those who have put their faith and their trust in what Jesus has done for us. I'm not trying to save myself. I'm not trying to work my way to heaven. I am putting my trust and I'm putting my faith in Jesus and his sacrifice, what he accomplished at the cross. It's all about him. It's all about what he has done. That's why the apostles preached in Acts 4.12, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we might be saved. Acts 4 verse 12. Jesus says in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Hebrews 12 verse 2 commands us to run the race with patience, looking unto who? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Everything focuses on, revolves around, is rooted and invested in him and what he's done. One of my favorite songs in the songbook is, Oh, How I Love Jesus. And one of the reasons why it's one of my favorites is because that song really succinctly captures the Christian life. That's what a Christian's all about. It's all about him. It's all about the Son of God and about how much I love him. We need as Christians to think more about Jesus and what he's done for us because he is the ground of our assurance. It is through Jesus Christ, Romans 5, 1 and 2 that we have access to God. It is through Jesus Christ that we have peace with God. It is through Jesus Christ that we rejoice in hope because of what he's done. That's where our assurance is rooted and grounded. It's not in, well, I hope things all work out and I hope that God decides to look favorably upon me. It's what he's done and I put my trust in that and the Bible says there's hope, there's assurance, there's guarantees to be found in that. Put your faith in him and what he's done. Number four, the requirement of assurance. Notice 1 John 5, 13. What's the requirement of assurance? You who believe in the Son of God. Do you see that? I've written these things to you who believe. There is a condition. Think about what belief entails. Belief is not just giving an intellectual, mental assent to something. Belief is about a lifestyle. It's about changing and making decisions based on what I'm convicted about. So think about what belief requires. 
It requires hearing, Romans 10, 17. We need to listen to what God's word has to say because our faith is in direct proportion to the amount of scripture that we've treasured in our hearts. Have you heard what God has has taught in the gospel? Have you listened intently to what he says? Belief is about hearing, but it's also about agreeing. You know, sometimes there are some things that the Bible tells us that are really hard, really difficult, really challenging. And one of the most difficult things for us to do is to swallow our pride and to agree that what God says is best and what God says is right, and I'm going to do what his word says regardless. That's belief. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 8, when God began to speak to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai, Moses came down and he said, okay, I want to talk to y'all because God has said that he wants to be our God and God has said that he's going to make a covenant with us. You know what the people said? All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. That's what they said. We agree. God's way is best. He just delivered us from slavery. We agree. God is going to be our God. That's belief. That's faith. It's about trusting. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. The Bible says that we are to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not lean on our own understanding. There are a lot of things in this world that we will never get to the bottom of, that we'll never fully fathom or understand. There are a lot of circumstances in our lives that we'll never quite understand. Can you do that and still trust that God loves you, that he cares about you, and that his promises are sure? Belief is about obedience. James chapter 2 verse 26. Faith, if it has no works, is dead. Faith obeys. Belief obeys. I'm not just going to hear and agree with what God says and trust that what he says is right. I'm going to do something about it. That's belief. It's about walking. 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from every sin. Belief is about not just saying once, yes, I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. Belief is about living that as my lifestyle every day. I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple. And I'm going to live for him in my walk. Belief is about loving. Galatians 5 verse 6 talks about a faith that works through love. It's not just that I'm trying to find salvation, but it's the fact that I love the Lord and I love my neighbor as myself, and those are the things that motivate me. That's what belief is all about. And brethren, that's the requirement of assurance. You want to be assured of your salvation? Spend some time asking, did those six words belong to me? Did they, did they describe the way I'm living my life? Am I being obedient to the Lord? Is there some area of my life that I know I'm doing wrong, but you know what? I'm just going to keep doing it because it's what I want to do. Is there something in God's word that I disagree with? I'm not going to agree with what God says about this subject, about this topic. What's holding you back from belief and from putting your trust and confidence in the Lord? Finally this evening, the object of assurance. The object of assurance is eternal life, according to 1 John 5, 13. Eternal life. Think about eternal life. Jesus taught that everybody's going to live forever in terms of quantity. 
John chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, Jesus said, The Son of Man is coming, and his voice, all those who are in the graves are going to hear his voice, and some are going to arise to a resurrection of condemnation, and some are going to rise to a resurrection of life. So when the Bible talks about eternal life, it's talking about, yes, quantity of life, but it's also and especially talking about a quality of life. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus really does promise and offer the abundant life to us. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, in him, talking about the word, was life, and life was the light of men. In John 11, verse 25, you are, Jesus, I am, he says, the resurrection and the life. No one, he says, or he who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus promised a quality of life. It starts in this life and it continues and gets even better in the next. That's eternal life. It's a quality of life, a way of living. And then there's the quantity of life. John 5, 27 through 29. Quantity of life. John says in 1 John 5, 13, that it is possible, as a matter of fact, it's important that you and I know for a fact that we have eternal life, that we have assurance. It's important that we have that confidence because it makes a difference in how we live. It makes a difference in our attitude. It makes a difference in our hope. It makes a difference in what we say at funerals, what we say about each other. And what others will say about us one day if the Lord doesn't return first? Can I know that I'm saved? The Bible answers that question with an exclamation point. Unequivocally, yes. We need as Christians to give our time and our energy and our attention to that question. Go ahead and get your songbooks and open to the song that Butch announced just a few moments ago. My question to you tonight is simply this. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are in a right relationship with God? Do you have confidence based on what his word teaches that you are obediently living as a disciple? Do you have the assurance of the promises that Jesus Christ has offered? And if the answer that you give to those questions is no, I don't have those things, why would you go another minute without making things right? Why would you go another day without coming to God in submissive faith, believing in Jesus Christ as we've talked about tonight, confessing his name, repenting of your sin, and being baptized? Because it's when we're baptized that we are born again. John chapter 3, verse 5. It's when we're baptized that we put on Christ, Galatians 3, 27. It's when we're baptized that we come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. If we can help you to do that this evening, if we can help you by praying for you, praying with you, whatever your need, won't you make your need known while together we stand and while we sing?